We're uh, outside, obviously. We normally have our services, if this is your first time, we normally have our services in that banquet room right in there. And so, but a couple times a year we like to plan some different things like this. And so we're really glad that you've joined us. Turning out to be a really gorgeous day. And we're kicking off a new series this morning. We're looking at um, a series we're calling it Will It Grow? And if you see on the bulletin that you have, on the front, you see kind of an illustration that Bruce put together that illustrates the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at and asks the question, will it grow? When we sow seeds of faith, will it actually grow? It's popular right now to be green. Every marketing, I see all sorts of marketing on being green. Get stuff mailed to me. And, uh, you know, it's time to grow a garden. We're actually in the process of trying to grow a garden. And every year we try this. And some years are better than others. I told the crew last service that I think it's been six years since I've actually been successful that I would say it was a successful crop. But um, it's really been a while. I mean, usually it's like one tomato plant will survive. And we'll plant like 25 things. And we had this killer tomato plant that kept coming back every year. And so, um, but it finally died off. But every year I'm kind of excited about the possibilities, but then discouraged by the outcome of my gardening. Um, we probably have some of you here that are really good gardeners. You know, you just really know how to put it together. And, uh, matter of fact, some of these plants came from real gardeners, I believe. And so, you know, I, this year, we tried to plant some things from seed. And, uh, we got those, you know, you, it was like a box full of, of seeds of different types. And they show you how easy it is. It's like garden in a box. Nothing's really going from our garden in the box. So, now we're starting with the plants, and I think usually if we get the plant, we can make something happen. If we can kill the insects, make sure they get enough water, but I have an avocado tree that I've been working on for the last three years now. It's still about this thin. Actually, it's thinner than this, and uh, it's it has about as many branches as this, too, you know, like a sprout here, a sprout here, and, and there's probably about, you know, a dozen leaves on each branch, and and there's actually five avocados growing that I counted on the on the tree. They are the size of nerds, and so. But I have high hopes. Occasionally, I go out there and I see a really good one, and then it's not there anymore, and I'll find it on the ground. So I don't know. Something's not going well with my gardening. But um, the big question that I have in all my gardening pursuits, which is not all that much, but the big question I do have is, will it grow? It's like we're asking on the bulletin cover, will it actually grow? We can have the same feeling towards our faith. Will my faith grow? Or if I share my faith with others, will it actually grow up into something that produces real growth, real fruit in people's lives? There's a story that we're going to look at today, but people's responses, when we start sharing, this this message series primarily is going to be talking about what happens when we share our faith with other people. All of us believe in something, and when we share our faith, there's... Lots of questions. It's like, is my faith going to spread to them? As I share, is it going to actually grow up into something? Uh, people's responses, if you haven't discovered this, they're really unpredictable. And they're pretty much out of our control, aren't they? I've had all sorts of responses. And we've had, I've had some responses where it seems like I'll share and people will be really eager to learn more. And they'll want to have great conversations. It seems like something is actually happening. They, it seems like it's going to grow. Other times... Conversation gets started, feel like, man, this person might actually respond to this 
you know, what I'm sharing about. And then the, somehow the conversation gets sidetracked and we're off talking about sports or cars or something totally different. And I'm wondering, well, how did that happen? I was trying to share and then it got derailed over here. Other times I've found that I've shared and it's like no interest at all. Just like wall comes up, you know, it's like they straight arm me. I'm like, man, why, why are these the different responses to faith? I realize that faith for many people is a private matter. Um, you know, a lot of people have this sense where it's private. Don't, don't talk to me about it. It's my private opinion and it's my life. And so because of all these things, we ask this question. One is, why bother sharing my faith? And then two, will it grow? When I share, will it actually grow up into something? Jesus, he dealt with this very issue in a short story that we're going to look at over the next three weeks. It's found in Matthew chapter 13. And what I'm hoping is that as we look together at this passage, if you're a person who already follows Christ, you, you would, let's say you're a person, you consider yourself a Christian, you've yielded your life to Jesus, making him the boss of your life, then what I hope is that as we look at this passage, it will encourage you and also kind of help with your perspective on sharing. Because sometimes, we get the wrong perspective about sharing our faith. And I think this parable really deals with some misconceptions we have. And so, secondly, if you're here and you've been exploring Christianity, maybe you're here and you've not yet decided to follow Christ, and you're here because you're investigating what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe you know some Christians, maybe there's Christians in your life, but you've not yet made that step. What I'm hoping today is that for you, as you hear the Bible, as we just look at what God's Word has to say, that God would, that you'd be willing to allow God to open up your heart, your mind to His truths. And that you would actually be allowing Him to produce something if He wants to produce something in your life. You're opening up your heart to Him. And so I, I would just encourage you to be open to His work in your life. Let's pray together as we launch into this message. Father, thank You for this group that You've assembled. Lord, I thank You most for Your Word. And how your word is is uh, the truth. And that it shares how life really works. And if we can get our minds around your word, then we know how life really works as you've designed it. God, thank you that you've not disclosed or that you have not hidden your ways from us. Thank you that you've not, um, you know, just kept things secret. But Lord, that you have made your ways known to us. Lord, that if we will pursue you, if we will seek after you, we can find you. And Lord, I know that there are some that would, would, would want to find you today even, God. I pray that you would open their hearts to you. And Lord, for all of us, Lord, I pray for perspective and just the ability to, to focus. Lord, thank you for the, just the opportunity to meet outside. But Lord, I pray against any distractions. Just ask that you'd protect our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at this, uh, Matthew chapter 13. There's a listening guide inside your bulletin. If you'd like, you can follow along. There are verses. In there, not all the verses that I'm going to be sharing are in there, but some of them are in there. Starting, though, with Matthew 13, verse 1. Part of this passage is in your outline. I'm going to read a portion that's not in your outline, though. It says this. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house. He sat down by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat, and he sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. A parable is like a short story that drives home a point. Okay? Saying, here's the story. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. So that's one kind of 
person. He's talking about four different kinds of people in this story. Okay, and then verse 5 says, Some fell on rocky places. That's another type of person. Where it did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Okay, so there's a rocky soil. First, there's seed that falls on the path. Second, there's seed that falls on a rocky soil. Verse 7 says, Other seed fell among thorns, or weeds, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Then Jesus describes in the in the next several verses how he speaks in parables, why he speaks in parables. And later on, he explains this story. Like, what's the symbolism behind these different seeds and soils? And if you hop down to verse 18, it says, listen, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Here it is. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So again, there's this first seed that doesn't quite make it to soil. It falls on the path and says the evil one snatches the seed away. Verse 20 says that the ones who receive the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns or the weeds is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. It's another type of person. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soils, the man who hears the word and understands it, he produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So we get several lessons from this from this story, okay? And again, there are four different types of people that Jesus is describing when they hear the message about him. When they hear the message of the kingdom or <clears throat> how to connect with God, it land the message lands upon, upon four different types of people. Jesus is saying, so we we, we want to pay attention to what these different people um are like. And today we're going to look at the, the seed that fell along the path. It didn't make it to good soil. didn't make it in rocky soil or thorny ground. It just made it along the path. didn't make it into the dirt. Okay, And so this is the one where the bird comes and snatches it away because it's not covered, so it gets snatched away before it can really produce anything. And there's some lessons from each of these stories. And what I hope is that you'll find yourself somewhere in these parables, that you'll say, that's me. I... I feel like that describes my life. That's who I am. Hopefully that will help you as far as you moving forward. So look at this first lesson from the parable. You'll see these in your outline. I'll kind of walk through these together. The first lesson from the parable is this. Sharing about Jesus is the responsibility of Christ of all Christ's followers. Sharing about Jesus. That's the fill in the blank there. That's not something that's just designated to people who are in ministry or the preacher like me or missionaries or people on TV. We often think, you know, I'll just invite people to be a part of my church and I'll let the paid, hired help do that job of sharing. Pastors, missionaries. But the truth is, we find out that we've all, if you've decided to follow Christ, you've actually been called to full-time ministry. Everybody that has decided here to follow Christ, you are a minister full-time. The word ministry simply means to serve. You serve His interests. And so you've been called to serve the Lord Jesus' interests if you've responded to him. And one of those things is he wants to advance his message. He wants to spread the news about him. 
to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers. God even nudges us at times to share with people we don't know, to strangers. I've experienced that where I've shared with a person that I, I hardly knew. God opened their heart and, and we have, we have people in our church that, that are results of people in our church sharing with strangers even. Just at random places. Now, ordinarily, like I feel more comfortable sharing with people that I know, building, you know, relationship so that they would trust what I have to say. But, you know, sometimes God just nudges us to push out beyond our comfort of a relationship. But that first principle is really important. Jesus gave that mission to us. He actually gave, in, in Matthew 28, verse 19, there's this mission statement or a, <clears throat> a commissioning of Jesus' followers. It starts with this phrase, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. That's, that's the mission of Christ's followers. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And it's not, we tend to think of that as going, going far away. Maybe I need to leave my home. Maybe I need to move across, you know, to another city or head out of state. Go make disciples over there. Or maybe I need to go internationally on a trip. But the verb, the Greek, it, it means as you are going, make disciples. It has to do with as you are going about your life, as you're living your life, make disciples. Advance the message so that others will respond and follow Christ. So as you're going about your day, as you're gardening, as you're walking your dog, as you're working at your job, as you're shopping at the store, as you're playing on a team, as you're in school, as you're at work, as you're going about your life, make disciples. It's not just something for the, the pastoral type. or you know the, It really is something for all of us. If we're Christ followers, it's for us. 1 Peter 3.15, a letter that was written to the church in general, the church at large. Peter said this to the church. He said, Always, he said, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason. To give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. People are going to come up to you and they're going to say, why do you, what's the point of your life? Like I see you doing your life differently. Why do you have the hope that you have? Or, you know, I see you pile in your car and you go to church or, you know, I see you involved with lots of people from your church and what is the reason you do all that stuff? Peter's saying, be prepared to give that answer. If we're not prepared, if we're waiting for someone else to do it, we're missing a real opportunity because this is a big part of what he's called us to. To follow Christ and to not share our faith is to miss a major part of the Christian life. And and it's something that God doesn't put on us to guilt us. It's something he, he, he asks us to step forward in faith so that life opens up, so we can trust him more. So we can see him come through. So we can see others' lives change and we be encouraged through that process. But that's, that's one thing. We, we are, we're seed sowers. This parable has the idea of we're to be the, we're to be sowing the seed. You all received a little, you should have received a little baggie with some seeds in it when you came in. And those, <clears throat> those are wildflowers. You can plant those if you'd like. But, um, the idea is with the parable is that we, we've got to sow this seed. It does, it does very little good. For it just stay in the little seed pouch, stay in the little, in the little baggie. It's not going to grow up into anything. So <clears throat> take that responsibility. Take it seriously. The second thing is when you share, some will reject the message outright. This is something we ought to keep in mind. As you share, when you share, some people will just reject it. They won't respond to it. This is where it says, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and they ate it up. Sometimes when we share, the message doesn't even 
it just like bounces off a person. I've had this happen. I'd be sharing, and it's like, nope, <laughs> no interest there, no interest in faith, no interest in spiritual things, and and just conversation gets cut off. That's an example of of that part of the parable. The, the seed does not drop on any; it just it drops, it gets taken away. Um, not all of our sharing is going to pr- produce positive results. This parable illustrates that three out of the four types of people that he's describing do not grow, do not really grow. There's not real producing fruit. It says one-fourth, only one of these guys, one type, actually real fruit grows. Some of them it seems like there's, some there's no growth, some there's early growth, signs of growth, you know, but it doesn't have any roots, so it withers away, burns off. Another one, it gets choked out by all sorts of cares. We're going to look at these different things. But will it grow? Again, that's that's a big question for us. And if only one of four results in a harvest, then if we don't understand this, then we might get extremely discouraged in our sharing. We might get just discouraged to the point that we don't, you know, we try that. I tried sharing like they encouraged me to do, or I tried sharing like, like I read about in the Bible, but nothing happened, so forget that. I'm done. And we might think, well, I'll try four times. If the parable is true, then one out of these four people ought to respond. Oh, it didn't happen. Darn, you know, I'm done. I'm discouraged. Again, we battle a lot with discouragement. Here's the, uh, another thing from the outline. The response will be determined by the condition of the heart. That's the clue we're given. The response will be determined by the condition of the heart. I grew up in a Christian home. I was raised in in church, but I had very little spiritual interest. I had very little depth to to beyond just getting a lot of information, collecting all sorts of things. I could leave a church service, and it was like the bird came over and just plucked away the seed before it could take root. I experienced that growing up, and then all of a sudden, like something changed. Something took root in my life, but before that. I really, my heart was just not prepared to receive it. It wasn't until I was 18 years old that I responded and became a Christian. But thankfully, we find out in Scripture, this is another point here, our hearts are capable of improvement. Like soil, our hearts are capable of being improved. They can change. God can work in our hearts. With soil itself, every time I plant something, like I try to improve the soil, I turn the soil, I put in some fresh, um, some fresh manure. My son's like, oh, that stinks, dad, you know. But it helps us grow good food that we're going to eat. That doesn't make sense, does it? You know, spreading manure and then we're eating the, the production of it. But soil, you know, I have some soil amendment, all these different things to try to work the ground and, you know, that the soil gets improved. And good soil produces real fruit. We've experienced that in our gardens. Once in a while, we experience some good fruit. But God, in our case, in in the land of people, and not fruits and vegetables, in our case, God's Spirit is the one who does that. That's the point there. God's Spirit has to prepare a person's heart before the message can be received. God has to do a work in our hearts to get us ready to respond to the message. It just doesn't happen with us hearing something and then, wow, that person was just super convincing. And now all of a sudden I'm going to give my life to, to this cause and follow Jesus. God actually has to do that work. 
John 16, verse 8 and 9, talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. It says this. It says that when He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin because men do not believe in Him. See, what that's saying is that the Holy Spirit, He's the one, He works inside of our hearts and He convinces us that we need God. He shows us how sinful we really are, how our way is a dead end. He, he, he reminds us, the Holy Spirit reminds us how when we go out on our own in life, we end up striking out, we end up hitting the wall. And He shows us that we, on our own power, don't have enough to pull life together. And so God's Holy Spirit works in our hearts convincing us that we need something else. And so when He's done that, now the message can actually be received. And for me, I remember when that happened. I remember being in, in college and, and just sitting in my dorm room realizing that all that I was pursuing in my life continued to lead to the wall, just a dead end. And I saw people whose lives seemed to have much more joy and purpose and meaning. Their relationships were healthy. And I looked at my life and I just saw, I was convinced I really needed God, that my way was not enough. It was not enough. That's how God's Spirit works. I knew that I needed Him at a certain point. Whereas in the past, I was just running my own course, oblivious to the fact that I needed him. So the message never really, it just bounced off me. And that's the parable here is it just gets on the path. And some of it just, you know, here's the good soil right there. Some of it just didn't make it on the soil, just on the ground. The birds come and they snatch it away. I've seen this happen in my gardening when I fertilize my, or add seed to my lawn. And it drives me crazy. I'll spread the seed and I'll watch the birds feed on my seed. I fed them dinner, and I'm just like, oh, it's not the point. But that's the way it works. That you know, it needs to fall upon good soil. We need God to actually prepare our hearts. Another thought, another lesson from this parable. The last one on this side is Satan works to prevent real growth. He works to prevent real growth and real responses. That's verse 18 and 19. You know that anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one. The symbol is the bird that snatches away. That's, that's the evil one. Satan comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Satan himself, Satan is the thief of sermons. He just, he's the thief of sermons. He's the robber of our verbal witnesses. Like when we share, when we witness to another person, he, he robs that from really taking root. His fate is sealed though. He, right now he's free to roam the earth and he has power to deceive. He uses the same tactic that he's always used, which is lying. It's deception. He is the father of lies. Just like he did with Adam and Eve, he would dang, he dangled some, a lie in front of them. And he, he said, you can pursue your own glory, your own pleasure, apart from what God said. And he dangled this lie in front of them. They bought into the lie. All of us have chosen to buy into that same lie. But Satan works. And he actually, he is leading an unimaginable number of, of demons, fallen angels who work to influence, to tempt, to deceive, to distort, to lead away, to blind people. And to keep them from really growing. He works against us. And his fate is sealed. Eventually, Satan and all his spiritual forces, you read the book of Revelation, you'll find that he, his fate is sealed. He will, he will be 
You will be tortured for all eternity in hell. But, while he's here, he works to deceive. He works to snatch away the seeds that are being planted. He doesn't want people to to connect with God. He doesn't want you to grow. And to just take that out of the equation and say, God, that doesn't really exist. If you miss that, and you're not growing, you might be missing part of the reason. He may be working against your spiritual growth. As you're, as you're sharing with other people, what he often does is he entices other people to pursue something else. That's The bird comes, snatches it away. The message gets, you know, you share the message and it's like the person gets enticed and all of a sudden starts walking another direction. That's, that's the example that we're given here. So how should we respond to this parable? On the back side, a couple of responses. First, be faithful to do your part and share. Just like the farmer who went out sow a seed as he was scattering the seed. We can guarantee no growth. We can guarantee that no one will respond to faith if we don't plant, if we don't share. So what we, do, what we have to do is we have to stay after. We have to stay after our sharing. It's not just enough to love people, to serve people, even to invite people around if you're not willing to share with them. Paul said it this way, and this is in your outline. Paul said this, this is 1 Corinthians 3, 6-8. He said, I planted the seed, speaking of he shared the faith, I planted the seed, Apollos, another person, watered it. So there's, Paul planted the seed, he shared the message. Someone else came along and clarified or shared a little more personal story. But God made it grow, the verse says. God is the one who produces growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Here's the purpose. Here is our purpose, to share and clarify the message about Jesus. That's that's our purpose. We have to spread the seed, share and clarify the message, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. So be faithful to share. And believe that as you plant seeds, that has the power to produce results in people's lives. I'm always amazed when I see people grow. I'm always just super encouraged when I see members of our congregation sharing their faith, or people I've shared with when I see them respond and then grow up. And there is really, there is very few things on earth that is like that. When you see someone take hold of the life that God has provided for them through Jesus. And you see them experiencing the blessing of God in their life. That, that's just, it's so, it's so exciting. I want to encourage you. Be faithful in your efforts to share. Do not get discouraged. Which is this next point. Don't give up or get discouraged. Especially if you see no visible response. Like, let's say you're sharing with someone. God can work once the seed has been planted there. As the seed is planted, he begins to grow. You're going to hear a story in a moment from a guy from our church who who got to see this happen in his life. But Jesus, he introduced a new way of living. And he experienced a tremendous amount of opposition in his life and in his ministry. He suffered and died There was a prophecy written about him. You see it in your outline. This was written about Jesus 800 years before he came. It says, in faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. The idea of faithfulness is because there was reasons why he should have stopped. Humanly speaking, there was reasons why he he shouldn't have moved on. It just didn't make sense with opposition. But it says, but he will not falter. He will not be discouraged. That was Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, he did not stop. Thank God Jesus actually went the distance and carried out his intended 
redemptive plan. He went to the cross. He did not get discouraged despite opposition. That really helps us because we have it much, much easier than he did. We live in a country that is free, maybe not completely free, but you know, we, we have very little persecution. We have tremendous religious freedoms at this point to be able to share our faith, to be able to live for Christ. But most of the people in the first century who much of the Bible was written to, the New Testament, they were living in a very, very hostile environment that didn't support Christian growth and maturity. And so they were given these commands in such a different setting. And yet sometimes we live as if we're being persecuted. We live as if we should be afraid about sharing. But the truth is, God wants us to stay after it. One way to keep from getting discouraged is this next point. Pray. Pray for those you've shared with. Just stay faithful to pray for those you've shared with and relate appropriately. What prayer does is it aligns our thoughts and often discouraging thoughts, which kind of take our minds. Our minds, said this before, our minds are kind of like dogs, just wandering off, sniffing around, off a leash, and they're just kind of, they're just off smelling trash over here and they're digging holes over here. Our minds just, they wander, don't they? So what we're encouraged to do is, is put our minds on a leash. One way we do that is we pray. When we pray, it puts our mind on a leash. It gets it under control and it prevents it from just wandering off through discouragement, depression, or just writing our own story. It keeps us aligned. Our prayers then, it aligns our thoughts with God's thoughts and our ways with God's ways. So that's why Paul says this, Colossians 4.3. He said, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. He said, see, he was in a hostile environment. He knew that he could not advance the message or sow these seeds and see growth without the power of prayer. He says, Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. But once you've shared and you've prayed and you've lived the life, then wait on God. See what God does to cause growth. St. Francis of Assisi, he was a 13th century um, Catholic friar. He said this. He said, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. I think that's such a cool quote. Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. He's saying, live the life. Our life should verify the message that we proclaim. But after we've done that, then again, we wait on God. The last point is this. And this is really a point that if you're here and you're just, you've not yet decided to follow Christ, maybe you're counting the cost. You're really thinking about making that decision. This, this is, <clears throat> this is what makes the parable very personal to you. We allow God's Spirit to break up any unbelief. Opening my heart to Him. Maybe that's the step you need to take. I need to be willing to just come to God, open my heart to Him, and let Him work. You may need to ask God to, to open up your mind to Him. Maybe you're just, you closed off thinking about what it would mean to follow Christ. God wants to give you a purpose beyond this life. He wants to give you a purpose beyond what this world has to offer. You might be afraid of what others think if you were to follow Christ. Or maybe you just can't see why you need God. You're thinking, I'm really not that bad. My life is pretty good. I don't know why I need God or forgiveness or, you know, or I don't, I'm a pretty good person. The problem with that thought is that 
Good people don't go to heaven. (laughs) Forgiven people go to heaven. See, we're all pretty bad, we find out in the Scripture. We connect with God as we recognize we we are sinners. We're in need of His salvation. We turn our hearts to Him. And it's through His forgiveness that we can find real life. I want you to hear this story really briefly from Jay Stovall. He's a part of our congregation. and He recently went to Malaysia. And he's going to share just really briefly about an experience that, that he had that really relates to what we're sharing here. Hey, Jay. Hey. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, as you said, I got to go to Malaysia this year. This was actually my third time going. And so my first time I went two years ago, um, I got to share with this young guy and he was uh, one year younger than me. And so we had a lot to relate to. So got to hang out with him. And, uh, as I shared the gospel, he seemed like really closed off. You can kind of tell that seed may have been planted. He, he was just, he wasn't really swaying anyway, but I got to share with him. We got to hang out, build a relationship with him. Um, the second year I went, he wasn't there. Um, he was, I think, in another country visiting friends or something. But I kept in contact through email and Facebook, just really built a relationship with him, uh, just asking how he's doing. It's like a big deal to him. And uh, so um, this year I got to go back and found out he was actually going to be there. So he's really excited to meet up. Um he, when I actually did meet up with him, you can tell, like, that God was trying to reveal himself. Um, he had other Christians just sharing with him, I guess you would say watering, according to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could just really tell, like, God was just trying to reveal himself to him. And he would tell me that, you know, all his friends would invite him to church. Um, he had remembered what I shared with him. Every girl that he liked was a Christian, so something was happening. And uh, so, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that God was trying to show him. And uh, just really began just to water some more, share the gospel with him, uh, really just share my life with him for about a week while I was there with him. And uh, so he began to open up, ask questions, um, hung out, just just loved on him, uh, took him out to lunch, just really hung out with him. And uh, our last day, um, it was it was really cool because we got to do a, like a farewell party, and we got to share. I shared my testimony. Another student um, got to share a Bible study, and it really hit home to him. And uh, first, he asked me to be his god brother. I don't think he knew what it meant, but he just wanted a god brother from California. So it's like really exciting to him. But then he said he wanted to follow Christ, and that was just a huge um, just deal. Obviously, uh, his life is is now saved and I think it was just a true testament to the to what Josh is saying. It took three years um for him and it took a lot of prayer and and just a lot of sowing but God ultimately produced a growth and growth and three years later uh he became saved so it's great. Thanks man I just wanted you to hear that because I, I heard that this week and I was like that's that's encouraging to me. Because you can get discouraged as you're Trying to share it, you just get discouraged. I, I want you to take out that little seed packet, if you have that seed packet. Or if you don't, maybe the person around you that, that has one. Take a look at that seed. When you look at the seed, and you take it out, if you, if you take it out, or if you just look at it, it seems like a dead, dry thing, doesn't it? Seeds just look dead and dry. 
It's not very impressive. But the truth is, the finished, mature flower is virtually inside this. What, you know, we see the, the end results and we're like, wow, that's, that's beautiful. That, that, that grows out of this dead, dry thing. This unattractive, not impressive seed. That's the way the gospel message works. It's this, it's this thing that we think, oh, if I share, it just, it's not gonna do anything. How, how do I know? We find out that what we're planting is not just this little dead, dry thing. It's actually, we're planting God's Word that has tremendous power. Just a few verses. The potential for the transformed life is within that, that seed that you plant into people's lives. First Peter 1.23 says, For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the, love, through the living and enduring Word of God. First Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, within our message, as we share, God can cut through deeply to people's hearts. That's what's happened in many of our lives. We've experienced God just cutting through resistance, unbelief, to where we open our hearts to Him. So it's not just a seed. It's not just your opinion. It's not just an ancient story. Paul said this to the church in Rome. It's Romans 1.16. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. This, there's just tremendous power in the message that we have. In just a moment, our ushers are going to come forward. They're going to receive our offering. Cody, you can come on up here. Would you take out that white connection card that you received in your bulletin? I just want to show you a few things that you might want to respond to as the next step for today. On the back... On the back top left, it says, my next step today is, number one, ask God to show me the condition of my heart. Maybe you need to just spend some time with God this week just to say, God, where do I fit into this story, to your story? Which of these illustrations am I like? Am I like that seed that just lands on the path that just gets snatched away before I can do anything with it? Am I just totally not believing in any of this? Is that is that me? Or am I the, and we're going to see where these other stories go with the rocky ground and the thorny ground, the good soil. But maybe just ask God, show you the condition of your heart. And if you're, if you're here, you've never yet responded to Jesus. You've not become a Christian. At the top right of the connection card, it says, send me info about beginning a relationship with Jesus for the first time. You check that. We'll give you some information. You can work through that decision at your own pace. At your only, we'd love to help you decide follow Christ, but we don't want to pressure you to do that. It's something that, if you sense God is saying, hey, you sense God's tugging on your heart, then why not open your heart to Him? That's the first step. The second next step on the back there is, share my faith story with someone this week. Maybe God is just nudging you to take that step and actually share. You've invested some time and invited some people to some things, and you feel like, man, this is it's time to share. Remember, you're sharing the imperishable seed. This is the living and active Word of God. It has the power to change lives. Don't worry about convincing or persuading. or Just just share it. The last one is this. Confess my need to rely on God and on myself as I share my faith with others. 
So boldly share and trust God with the results. Maybe in the past you've shared and you you thought, man, I am convinced this person's going to respond. But part of that being convinced had to do with that you thought you shared it really well. And you were banking a little too much on how good you can share it and not enough on how good God is and how powerful he is to change a life. None of us have the ability to change each other's lives. God himself can do it. He will do it if you open your heart to him. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this powerful message that, again, it's not hidden, but you've disclosed it to us. Lord, thank you that you saw our need. Even before we showed any interest in you, God, you stopped us in our tracks, Lord. You got our attention through sending your Son, offering up his life so that we could find forgiveness, which is what we need, God. Thank you for that message of hope that you've given us. Help us not to bottle it up or keep it hidden or help us not to be ashamed or afraid of it, Lord. But Lord, we just pray for courage and boldness to proclaim your message to this confused and hurting world. Lord, thank you for placing us in this city. Thank you for placing us in our homes, in this neighborhood, God, in this region, in our jobs, on our sports teams. God, thank you for where you've dropped us. You've given us a group of people to already invest in, already to plant seeds in their lives. We pray, God, that we'd be faithful to plant seeds and that in your time, God, you would grow a harvest of souls. Love you, God. We thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. Lord, we long to see you do so much more in our lives and the lives of people around us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in just a minute, our, our ushers are going to be coming around. When we receive our offering, the ushers, they just come aisle by 